Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Our guest today is Connie Gallippi. Connie is the founder and executive director at BitGive, the first Bitcoin nonprofit organization. Connie, thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. And Connie, this is your second time on the show. We talked back in November of 2019. Things were a bit less crazy back then, but the world still needed good people like you in it. And uh, today you're going to talk about some of BitGive's more recent campaigns, including one that provides relief to frontline workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. But before we get into these campaigns, can you give us a little bit of background information about yourself, Connie? Sure. So I'm the founder and executive director of BitGive, and BitGive is the first official Bitcoin and blockchain nonprofit We were established back in 2013. So our focus for almost seven years now has been to leverage Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain technology for nonprofits and for global philanthropy. And we've done a variety of things over the years, but a lot of direct work with NGOs and, you know, sort of bringing them into this new technology educating them about it and helping them use it for fundraising, for transferring funds, for transparency. And our latest is GiveTrack, our donation platform. And been out a couple years now in a couple different versions. And we have probably over 24, 25 projects and NGOs now that have used the platform. And as you mentioned, most recently we started a COVID campaign. Yeah. And last time we talked, you and I went in great detail about what BitGive is and what GiveTrack is and how you're using the blockchain to help others around the world and how it's a really great thing that you guys are doing, not only for obviously helping others, but to help the adoption of Bitcoin in a really unique and necessary way. And so I would encourage anybody that hasn't heard that episode to go back and check it out because that really is a really in-depth episode about what you do and what BitGive and GiveTrack is all about. So I would definitely encourage people to go and check that out. But today, like you mentioned, you have the, obviously the coronavirus pandemic is going on. It's been going on. It's probably going to go on for a while. Unfortunately, obviously we all want to be optimistic. We want it to be over as soon as possible, but it's affecting everybody. And some people it affects disproportionately because of a variety of factors. And so let's talk a little bit about the current campaign that you guys have going on for the COVID-19 crisis? Sure. Yes, it's you know obviously something that's affecting everybody really globally in some way or another, and some a lot more than others, depending on their careers or the, where they live or how this has affected them. So we really wanted to do something, and we felt that it was an opportunity for us to do our own emergency relief fund through BidGive. And typically what we do is we work directly with NGOs and and help them run their own campaigns. But in this case, given the situation, most of the NGOs who are on the front lines with this crisis are not in a position to be, you know, starting a new campaign on GiveTrack and learning about Bitcoin. (laughs) So we've been wanting to do an emergency fund of our own for a long time so that essentially we could always be ready for the next thing that comes up unexpectedly. And so we felt like this was an opportunity to do that. So we created the fund under BitGive's umbrella and we chose three beneficiaries NGOs that we identified up front. 
that would be the recipients of the funds. And we've talked with them and they know that we're doing the campaign. So the three are direct relief, that is frontlines medical workers and relief efforts globally. They work in the U.S., in South America, and the Caribbean. And the second one is Give Directly, and they have two different COVID programs right now. They focus on cash, direct cash transfers to vulnerable populations, and they have six countries in Africa that they've been supporting for quite some time, and now they've expanded into the U.S. as well. And then the third is One Fair Wage, and they have an emergency fund as well for COVID, which is a U.S.-based organization and is supporting gig workers and hourly workers who are affected by unemployment, essentially. And that's one of the big ones during the coronavirus is people who are gig workers. Thankfully, there have been some things in the United States that have helped a lot of these workers, like unemployment benefits and, you know, like the stimulus that went out. Those do exist. And surprisingly, actually, they included people like gig workers who are typically not covered by a lot of these things, typically like unemployment, right? Exactly. Yeah, they they really expanded these programs this time to independent contractors, to nonprofits, and to hourly and wage workers and tip-based workers, which normally don't aren't able to access these programs. But the challenge has been still that there's so many people that were mm-hmm. applying for all these programs that broadly at least 50% weren't able to get support just because of the overwhelm to the system. And from the service industry, it's sounding more like higher than that even, like 60% or more who weren't able to actually access those programs. Right. And there is definitely a, a whole conversation to be had about how some people weren't able to access those funds, like you mentioned, while big businesses that probably had a whole lot of money in case of an emergency type fund, we're able to access these funds and a lot of the businesses we've heard of, which is definitely an unfortunate, probably unintended consequence of the funding that went out. So it's very nice that you guys do have this organization and this platform, this campaign, I should say right now, in order to give money directly to some of these people that weren't able to either qualify or didn't get those funds in time, or could even just use extra funds. Because even if you get funds at one point, Maybe if you got some money a few months ago, that's probably run out by this point. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people, unless they were, you know, really on top of things and able to apply immediately and had all their paperwork and financials ready and all of that, you know, they weren't able to get in the front of the line. So it's the similar story of essentially vulnerable populations that always are put at a disadvantage because who has the resources to already have everything, all their ducks in a row and the bandwidth to immediately jump on a program like that, especially when like we were following all the programs ourselves and it took a lot of manpower to follow all of it because Mm -hmm. they kept changing things and there's so many different rules and requirements and you know, you really have to have a team and the resources to be able to access these things. So yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, they're already at a disadvantage, so they can't even apply in time to get ahead of the game. I'll say this, we did an interview with Andrew Gordon, who is a cryptocurrency lawyer, and he and his firm created a video of how to 
prepare yourself to access the small business loans and the other kind of funds that were available. Obviously, right now, as we're recording, I don't believe really any of those funds are available anymore. Like you said, they were kind of gone right away. But if this pandemic continues and more funds get released, I would definitely suggest preparing yourself to apply for those funds if you think they're going to be necessary. So watch kind of videos like that and understand what you need to do in order to be at the front of the line to get access to some of these funds. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you really have to have all your financials up to date because they were relying on past financial data to decide how much you were eligible for. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that up to date, then you don't have the data to go on. (laughs) So this is all kinds of things. And, you know, all the application processes and the paperwork that's required to have the loans forgiven is a whole nother ball game. You know, a lot of us take access to the internet for granted, but in populations that aren't so lucky or populations that don't have that advantage of just seeing the internet as a basic commodity that they have access to, they are left out in the rain pretty much. They're not able to really access it as easy as others are. Very unfortunate. Exactly. It was all pretty much online, all the application processes. And I realize that when I'm talking about this, I'm just referring to the US programs. But if you think about some of the vulnerable populations that give directly supporting like in Eastern Africa, they don't have anything. So they're already at a disadvantage. And then a pandemic hits. It's hard to imagine even the kinds of things they're facing. And that's where I think having empathy is really important. And especially now with everything going on, if things aren't affecting you personally, it's really important to understand empathy and put yourself in other people's shoes if possible and see how it could be affecting them and try to look at things through a different lens. And I think that if you can step up and donate to one of your campaigns or any campaign where you can help somebody who might be less fortunate than you, especially during this time. Absolutely. Yeah, there's been a lot of nonprofits kind of pitching, hey, I mean, this is kind of passed now, but when the stimulus checks were coming out, mm-hmm. because everyone got one, and there were a lot of people that didn't really need it. So there were a lot of nonprofits that were saying, hey, you know, if you're doing fine, but you got this check in the mail from the U.S. government, mm-hmm. consider donating it to people who could really use it. You know, there's been people that have had that mindset for a long time, and I'm sure you're one of those people given your history with charities and how you started BitGive, again, the first Bitcoin nonprofit. So clearly you're one of those types of people, but we need more people like that. And it's not easy to be a good person. I mean, sometimes all it requires is a simple donation. That's easy. But it takes work to be a better person, right? And there's nothing wrong with doing that work and putting in that work if possible, in my opinion. Absolutely. That's the only way I think we progress as a society and as a human race, really, because everything is so connected these days. And I think with COVID, it's even more apparent how connected we are globally. It's like, we're all facing this. It traveled so quickly because everybody flies all over the place like it's nothing anymore. And there are things that affect us all and aren't even localized anymore. Yeah. Undoubtedly, the coronavirus has put it in that perspective. Like I mentioned before, it does disproportionately affect certain populations, but it affects everybody, though. Everybody is affected by the coronavirus. Everybody has the potential to be affected by the coronavirus. It doesn't matter how rich you are. You know, you might have access to better health care if you are rich and you contract the virus. But again, it is the kind of great equalizer in the sense that everybody is affected. So I agree. It totally does put things in perspective that we are all one human race and that. 
we're in this together and that we need to work together in order to get through it. Yes, absolutely. So the COVID-19 emergency relief fund, the current give track campaign that you have going on, that's going to three different organizations. So somebody can go on to give track, they can donate crypto to the campaign, the COVID-19 emergency relief fund. And that's running for at least another month, right? The campaign that you guys have going. Yes, we've kind of kept the end date flexible just because COVID is such an unknown and <laughs> yeah. we, we want the funds to be put to good use when in need. At the same time, we don't want to end it too soon either when there's ongoing need. So we're mm-hmm. kind of playing it by ear, but for now we have it for at least, yeah, I'd say another month or more. And we have the three different nonprofits and direct relief. They're the ones that are supporting the medical workers. So they're really at the front lines right now. And I think that those needs will continue. And then similarly, the vulnerable communities and hourly workers and wage workers, we're going to have a whole nother wave of need mm-hmm. that is not just you know the urgent response, but is the aftermath response and the recovery. So we're kind of gauging how to you know run the campaign accordingly. And we may end up having another one later if this goes on for we probably will go on for a long time so that we can deploy these funds and maybe start to raise more for the response effort or the recovery effort. Yeah, that's great. And we need people like you, Connie, in order to be prepared for any potential effects that could occur as a result of the virus. And like you said, there might not be those direct implications of the virus, such as staying home, but months later, there's going to be implications of, you know, hey, I haven't paid my rent for four months now. Four months later, I owe $3,000. What do I do? So there's definitely going to be those like later waves of implications and it's going to probably multiple waves, right? I think so. Yeah. I think we're all still kind of trying to figure out how this is going to even play out. But Mm -hmm. I think no doubt in my mind that there'll be continued recovery issues for a long time, you know, in the healthcare industry as well, because everybody's been pushed out and back and told no for all kinds of needs because of COVID. And so there's going to be a whole wave of that happening to catch up. And then we may have, I hope we don't, but a second wave of COVID. So mm-hmm. we really don't know, but I think it's without question that the economic impacts will take a long time for recovery and likely from the healthcare world as well. Yeah. And so you guys have already raised over 1.2 Bitcoin, almost 1.3 Bitcoin so far, right? Yes, almost. When we initially launched the campaign, we had a a significant contribution come in from RSK and IOV Labs that are based in Argentina. So they helped us get to 50% of our goal pretty much out the gate, which is really awesome. And they've been helping us really promote the campaign as well and do a lot of PR around it. And then also Bitcoin Taxes donated So we had two really big donations come in, and then we've had a bunch come in from different individuals as well. Right now, I'm looking at it, and you're around 63% currently of the goal of 20,000 US dollars. Obviously, more than that would help, but that's currently the goal. And like you said, it is flexible. Yes, it is. I mean, we don't want to wait until September to get to 20K. So if we, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't reach our goal, we'll deploy the funds because there's a lot of people in need. But of course, we'd love to reach that goal and the sooner the better so that we can get the funds out. And, um, and let me say this, I think for anybody listening right now, if you do have a little bit of extra money, a little bit of extra Bitcoin, 
please go and donate. As we mentioned before, this helps everybody. We're all in this together. We're all affected by the pandemic. You know, if you're listening and you can't donate, that's fine. Do what you can to help others, right? But if you have the opportunity and you have a little bit of extra Bitcoin, please donate to this organization and please donate to help other people. Not only does it help others, it helps Bitcoin and crypto adoption as well. And and me and Connie talked about that in the last podcast we did together, but it really does help adoption. And there's a lot of transparency in it. You can see where it goes. You can follow your donation directly. So I would appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of others would if you went and donated. Absolutely. We would really appreciate that. It means a lot. And we have actually a couple of different options too for people to donate. So we have Bitcoin, which is the easiest one, and we'll go just you know directly into the campaign wallet. And then we have two other options. One is Uphold. We have an, a direct integration with Uphold. Mm-hmm. You can donate all kinds of different cryptocurrencies and also different fiat currencies through Uphold. And they essentially are doing the conversion for us to Bitcoin and then putting Bitcoin in the campaign wallet. And then for this campaign, we're also piloting a new option, which is PayPal. So PayPal is more common to the mainstream donor, and Mm -hmm. we want to open up opportunities for mainstream donors. And it's hard sometimes for them to learn about Bitcoin or even to get on Uphold. So PayPal is sort of a, a roundabout option because it's not directly integrated into the transparency of the platform. It's a PayPal donation. But basically what we're doing is we're taking those PayPal donations and because they're directly to BitGive, we don't have any issues with a regulatory scene. We can convert them ourselves into Bitcoin and then put Bitcoin into the campaign wallet. So we're, we're doing that for any PayPal donations that come in and then we're providing the blockchain transaction to that donor after the conversion. I mean, if that doesn't speak to your organization's dedication to encouraging crypto adoption, then I don't know what does, right? Because you could just simply take the PayPal donations and give those out. But instead, you take the PayPal donations and convert them to Bitcoin, which is such a, again, it just speaks to your devotion to cryptocurrency, which any cryptocurrency advocate should really appreciate. Yeah, we hope so. And we hope it's like you said, it's encouraging adoption because it allows someone who's not familiar with the technology or is a little intimidated by it to still participate in a platform like this where they can use PayPal or even just a credit card, right? Because PayPal lets you just use a credit card and they can still follow their donation on the blockchain because we're the ones kind of taking care of all the conversion and blockchain stuff. And we just send them the transaction data. So if they're really interested, they can still follow it. So it's an engaging way to you know, show people that what the technology can do without having them jump through a bunch of hoops to actually get Bitcoin or sign up with Uphold and do all the KYC and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which is definitely a, a lot of times it's a turnoff to some people to have to do the KYC, even though it's necessary. That does scare some people away for sure. Yes. <laughs> So this is a pilot because it's our program, our campaign, that we can do this. And then we're working towards a longer term solution where we can integrate credit card payments for other campaigns and figure out a way to convert them into Bitcoin without triggering a bunch of the regulatory issues. So it's a longer term goal. Again, I think that once we release this episode and we do some advertising of the episode, I really hope that the crypto community embraces it. I mean, we know that the crypto community is full of generous people. And I think that you guys can reach this goal 
very easily once we get the word out there. I know you guys have been doing work to get the word out there. I think once we get the word out a little bit more, there's no reason that the crypto community shouldn't be embracing this and hitting that goal, helping you guys to hit that goal. So I hope that happens. Thank you. We do too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk a little bit about what's new since me and you last spoke. Obviously, this campaign is new. There's a lot going on in the world. But me and you talked probably like seven months ago. So a lot's changed. Can you talk about what's changed in general? What's going on with BitGive and GiveTry? Sure. Yeah, I can't believe it's been seven months. That's I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Time flies. It's Yeah, it's been such an interesting world. And what's strange is that it has, the time still has flown by, even given all these things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've been hard at work the whole time and, you know, really thankful for that because of everything that's happening. Our whole team has remained healthy and everyone's still working. So that was my initial like hurdle that I wanted to meet was like, first, let's make sure everyone's okay. And let's try to keep the whole team employed and through this process. And we didn't really have to do a whole lot as far as transitioning to working from home because we're already a a distributed team. So that part was super easy. Everyone already works from home. And it was more of a matter of making sure that BitGive was healthy financially and could sustain the team through this pandemic. So there's that. And then all the kinds of things we've been working on, gosh, since seven months ago. Well, we've had quite a few projects on the platform that have finished fundraising and started implementing their projects or even have completed them. So we've been putting out a lot of content around that several that ended probably in January. One was the Water for Waraba project in Ethiopia. They completed the construction of that project. So that was exciting. We have a whole series of blogs about that project. And also Code to Inspire in Afghanistan. We um, helped them raise funds for high-performance computers for their graphics design class. So their class, even in the pandemic, has been able to continue. They were able to raise funds to have the students still take the classes at home. So helping them, like you mentioned earlier, have internet access and continue their studies. And then the computers that we raise funds for are high-performance ones for graphics design. Yeah. And I know we talked about the fact that there are sanctions and issues with money. That's why donating Bitcoin is so great. But then there's the whole logistics of shipping things, right? That like is like a whole nother hurdle that you have to get past. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, to be honest. Like we have wanted to send them some stickers just to put on the computers for Mm -hmm. BitGive. And we couldn't even do that. Yeah. That's unfortunate. That's too bad that it's so difficult to just help. It is. It's crazy. I mean, they're, they're lucky they have a really great team there on the ground. And then the Code to Inspire like headquarters establishment is in the U.S., in New York. So they can fundraise here easily and then transport all the funds and whatever is needed to the team in Afghanistan. I see one of them on here hit 207% of its goal. It was the sports implementation for children of Chile. That one seemed to have yes. a lot of attention. Yes, that one was like double their goal. And what was interesting is that, well, a couple things. One is that, you know, as everybody probably has heard of all the civil unrest that was there going on there for months now, was an unfortunate delay in implementing this one. But it also was that because they had so much extra money, 
they had to go find more projects to fund with it because the way they were using the funds were for lots of small little projects, you know, a couple hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So when they had twice as much money, they were like, well, this is awesome, but we've got to go figure out, you know, where the projects are that we can use this for. That's cool. So That's great. Time, yeah. It's taken some time, but I think we have like, I don't know, 20 some milestones on that one now because of all the little projects. And some of them got funded previously too, before the fund, this campaign completed. So they had needs that they fulfilled with other money and then they had to find new ways to use this money. So it was an interesting process to watch all of that unfold. And they're still finishing it because of the civil unrest. So there's some things that they haven't been able to actually implement on the ground, either from the civil unrest or now for COVID. They have I think one final project that's a rock climbing wall and because of COVID, they can't really d- construct it right now. So, mm. but they're almost done, which is exciting. And there was another project in Chile that was also delayed from all the protests and civil unrest there because it was a, a gathering of young adults to talk about and present projects around the sustainable development goals for the UN. So they had to delay the entire event and it was supposed to be in, I think, November of last year and wasn't, it didn't actually occur until April. So lots of different, you know, when you're working with groups in all parts of the world, there's all kinds of things that happen, but, you know, ultimately the projects get implemented and that's the main goal. Yeah, of course. You're dealing with a lot of variables and naturally, sometimes those variables are going to turn into hurdles like we discussed with like shipping. And sometimes there are probably things that nobody thought of, right? And so you can't always predict every single hurdle that you're going to encounter, especially who would have thought coronavirus, right? I mean, maybe an epidemiologist or somebody would have predicted it, but back in January, we probably weren't certainly thinking that life was going to be how it is, you know? Right. There's exactly. Just some things you can't, yeah, some things you can't account for. I do want to compliment, obviously, GiveTrack is a team, but the website's beautiful. It looks great and it's very user-friendly. So just um, props oh, to the team that worked on that, really. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the things we just launched probably since you and I last talked was a new design for the site. And it was a huge effort, much bigger than we anticipated. <laughs> right. But, you know, we're really happy with it and it's great to hear that. Yeah, it's aesthetically pleasing and it's just very easy to navigate and you can see where the funds went and where the Bitcoin went and it's all very nice and and easy to navigate. So Yeah, once we launched this new version of GiveTrack, it was our first investment was to improve the the UX and the design because it, it is really important. We talked a little bit about some of the campaigns that are going on now. What's going on in the future? Anything you want to talk about that's coming soon or that's planned? Yes, we've been working really hard behind the scenes on a lot of technical improvements and some new projects. So one of the technical improvements is that it's a huge new feature that we'll be rolling out hopefully soon, which is a new wallet for the campaigns. And currently we're using BitPay's multi-sig wallets and they're great. We love BitPay and we love the multi-sig option for security, but it's very difficult to scale on a platform because they're it's an open source individual wallet. So we've been working really hard on a more institution level scalable resource to integrate. And it's a big project as you could probably imagine, yeah. but, and it actually will improve a lot of other things on the platform as well, because it's an institutional solution 
it provides a lot more sort of automated and better processes kind of all coming together in one package. We're working on that. Hopefully soon we'll have that. And then we are working on a bunch of new projects to roll out once we have the new wallet. So we haven't launched any new projects lately besides our COVID campaign because we know this new wallet is coming. So (laughs) we're waiting and then working with some pretty well-known large names to be mentioned in the future. Nice. Yeah, so we'll be rolling out some more projects once we have the new wallet integration launched. Well, both of those things sound extremely interesting. And there's so much going on behind the scenes that you and your team have probably worked your butts off to accomplish. And in order for it to succeed even more so than it is right now, we need people to go and donate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of work behind the scenes. I mean, we have an amazing team very small, but mighty. And, you know, we're all wearing multiple hats. We're all spread really thin, but we're trying very hard because the vision is very important. And for it to be very high quality and professional is extremely important. So it takes a lot of extra work to do that. There's a lot of sort of, I don't know if I would call them fly by night, but there's a lot of things that pop up in the cryptocurrency community and, you know, they try something and then they're gone in in a a few months or they're not established, legitimate, professional organizations. And we take pride in being that. And we've put a lot of work into that. And we want that all the things that we do on the technical side and on the NGO side to reflect that. So we put a lot of effort into being what we would consider very high quality. (laughs) Yeah, I think a good adjective there would be opportunistic, right? Like there's people that come into these spaces and they're opportunistic. They see an opportunity or they see a space that isn't super crowded and they think to themselves, oh, I could do that. Or, you know, I could make some money off of that. It happens with crypto tax softwares, right? Like Bitcoin.tax, we've been around forever. You know, and I'm not trying to speak negatively about any competitors, but there's been a lot of different competitors that we've seen come and go that just pop up, think they can make some money. And then a year later, you never hear from them again, you know? Right. So Exactly. Yeah. You got to go with the trusted companies that have been around for a while and that have proven themselves worthy, right? And you guys have certainly done that. Yes. Yeah. And likewise, I mean, it says a lot to still be around in this sort of wild west, cutting edge tech industry that is only just now starting to, I think, blossom. And we say now even that we're, we're still early and we're really at the cutting edge of you know, leveraging and demonstrating what's possible. But seven years ago, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's just crazy. And for you guys too, I mean, to have survived all the ups and downs and insanity that has gone on with the price fluctuations, all the crazy news stories, all the, you know, just things that have happened all over the world that have affected the growth of the industry. Just surviving all that is a feather in the cap, I feel, for sure. Agree. And I think that's why I can speak personally. There's a sense of pride working for a company like that. And I'm sure the employees of BitGive and GiveTrack feel the same way. And I'm sure you feel the same way because we have been in the industry for so long. And it is such a fresh industry that when you're at the start of an industry that's so fresh and that's going to clearly go on for a very long time and be a part of the world economy and just a part of the world in general. It's a sense of pride, right? Yeah, it is. And, and we've learned so much, you know, by kind of being at the cutting edge and always pushing the envelope that 
it's been a huge learning experience. And I think at some point we would love to have the resources to package up all the things we've learned, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> lessons learned and just trying to apply this technology all over the world in different contexts and just all kinds of things. It's been really interesting and a lot of learning, but we don't have it documented per se in like a public way. Yeah, it'll be exciting once we're not in the Wild West anymore. You know, it's great to be a pioneer in the Wild West, but it is it is still the Wild West, right? In terms of crypto and taxation and donations, everything is still a bit Wild West-esque. So it'll be nice once we get out of that phase, yeah. It really is. I feel like from the tax perspective, it's just the beginning, you know, because for so many people, we're flying under the radar for years. Mm -hmm. And that's only recently become not so possible anymore, Mm -hmm. at least to a large degree. And that, you know, people are really starting to understand that they can't do that anymore. And the government agencies have clued in and are making that known. So (laughs) the the IRS has actually started reaching out to companies like ours for help, which is about time, I think, that they've done that. Because I mean, who knows this kind of stuff better than us, right? So it's about time that they did start reaching out and they have started reaching out to companies in our space. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. The right move. If you need pros in this space, then go to the people that have been in this space for a long time. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) And and similarly for anybody in the donation space, I mean, they need to come to you, right? And I'm sure you're not opposed to other organizations starting crypto donations, but if you need a hand, look toward the pro, right? Look toward BitGive and GiveTrack and Connie and her team who have been doing it for so long and were pioneers in the space. Yeah, we're definitely happy to see more organizations and things going on. And some of them have reached out to us, but a lot haven't. You know, I would love to collaborate more because I feel like, especially in the nonprofit space, if you're going to invest resources into trying to do something, that the more you collaborate and reduce the number of resources that are going into it, the better, because the the point is to have an impact. So if you have like 10 different organizations trying to do the same thing, then you have all that overhead times 10. Mm -hmm ultimately means you can't have as much impact because all the resources are going to the overhead. So we would love to collaborate more and you know leverage what we've done and what we've learned with others who may have different things that we can benefit from and have partnerships. But a lot of times people just want to do their own thing. So it's unfortunate that they don't come to us, but we're open to it. Yeah. And, you know, we had you on the podcast. And then soon after that, we partnered up Bitcoin taxes and uh, BitGive and GiveTrack partnered up. And you can actually donate right on your Bitcoin taxes on the reports tab. You can scroll down and you'll have an option to go over to your website and donate some crypto. And you'll see how much money you can save on your taxes if you were to donate a certain amount. So it's a nice little implementation. And I'm sure we'll be working together more and more in the future to better that implementation and to just overall, the goal is to help other people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're really excited about this partnership with you guys. And hopefully we can reach, you know, more people who are seeking the benefits of write-offs and offsets. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, the offset piece is just a really beautiful opportunity to just make a donation in crypto and offset any gains, you know, and then organizations like us, we keep it in crypto. So it's not like we're immediately cashing it out. Majority of NGOs do that. They immediately convert it, Mm -hmm. but we're holding it so it can continue to grow. And we may have gains as well, but we're tax exempt. So we don't have to pay taxes on it. 
Yeah. Beautiful thing. It really is. I call it the evergreen concept because you can basically pass on the gains and value increase of crypto forever. No one's ever having to pay taxes on it. And it's going to good. Exactly. The more it grows in value and we don't have to pay taxes on it, the more impact we can make with the funds. So pretty amazing. Yeah, especially because if you are cashing out and then you have to pay capital gains, if you were to donate fiat and not go through BitGive and GiveTrack, then you're probably losing what you'd be able to actually donate because you're paying those capital gains taxes. So it is, like you said, such a beautiful thing to do it through you guys if you are going to donate. Exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of people are starting to see that they can donate in crypto and there's options now, you know, more NGOs are accepting it. But the difference between us and a lot of the NGOs that are starting to come on to the scene is that we don't convert it immediately. Also with GiveTrack, you can see what happens to it. So the beauty of not converting it immediately is leveraging the technology itself, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just a new form of donating, it's actually leveraging the tech. So the whole point of GiveTrack is everything's held in Bitcoin. And then we encourage the NGOs to actually move the funds globally, transfer the funds on the blockchain network to save money and fees, to save time, Mm -hmm. to benefit from the security of the cryptographic transactions. And then also to be able to see that movement on the blockchain and be transparent about what happened to the funding. So when you donate to an NGO that's just taking crypto and immediately converting it, you don't get any of those benefits. They're not leveraging the technology at all. They're just kind of opening the door to crypto donors because it's another way of accessing donations. Right. Yep. It is very evident too that what you guys are doing. And that's again why I do think that once word gets out more that the current campaign should hit its goal, no problem, because you guys are doing it for the crypto community, you're doing it for the communities that are in need of help during this time. And so, yeah, I'm really hyped for this podcast to release and for people to hear our conversation. And I would really encourage everybody to go back and check out the conversation we had before, because you went into a lot more detail about leveraging the technology and how you're leveraging the technology and why that's important and what the benefits of it are. You talked a little bit about it now, but we went into a lot of detail about it last episode. So I would definitely encourage people to go check that out on talk.bitcoin.tax. But for now, Connie, thank you so much for being on the show this time. Again, we appreciate it. Thank you. I'm really happy to be back. Yes. And I am excited for you to come back soon after the new wallet is released and we get to hear some more about some of the big names that you're going to be working with as well. So we'll have to touch base maybe in a couple months. Yes. Oh, we would love that. That'd be great. Can you let our listeners know how they can go on to GiveTrack to donate to the COVID-19 campaign and any other campaign they may be interested in donating to? Of course. So they'll first go to GiveTrack.org, which is where all of our campaigns are. And then you'll see the COVID campaign on the homepage. And once you go to the campaign itself, there's a couple different options for donating. We have a Donate with Crypto button, which will give you the option of Bitcoin or Uphold. And Uphold takes, I think, 60 different crypto and fiat currencies. So it opens up all kinds of options. Bitcoin can be done directly to the campaign. And then we also have PayPal, which you can use for credit card donations or PayPal donations And they come to BitGive and then we convert them into Bitcoin and apply them to the campaign. Very easy to do. Yes. We're trying to make it easy. (laughs) (laughs) 
how can somebody reach out to you guys over BitGive or GiveTrack or to you if they want to talk about either donating or if they have questions or if they just want to know a little bit more about what you guys are doing? What are your websites and your social medias and stuff? Yes. So we have uh, BitGive's website, which is bitgivefoundation.org. You can email us at info at bitgivefoundation.org. Um, there's also givetrack.org for the campaigns and contact at givetrack.org. And then we're on social media, on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We're kind of on Instagram, but we haven't really kept that one up to date. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough doing Instagram and in the crypto space because it is such a powerful platform, but really for certain like if you're selling clothes or something, it's a really powerful platform, but it is more difficult for people like us in this space for sure. Yes. Yeah. It's a different audience and a different context, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure we include all your social media links and your emails. So if you are a customer of Bitcoin.tax, if you go to your reports tab, there's a little section there where you can see how much gain you'd be offsetting by donating crypto. And then if you click the link, it'll bring you over to the BitGive website. And then from there, you can donate to one of the campaigns that you do want to donate on GiveTrack. Connie, thank you again so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure talking to you. And everybody listening, I hope you aren't annoyed with how often I've said to donate to the campaigns, but please do donate to the campaigns. And Connie, thank you. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me and for all your support. Of course, anytime. Thanks everyone for listening to the Bitcoin Taxes podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for more cryptocurrency and blockchain related podcasts. Don't forget to check out our new mini podcast, The Cryptocurrency Informer, where we highlight interesting events occurring each week in the crypto and crypto adjacent spaces. The Bitcoin Texas podcast was created by Colin Mackey and Salvatore Vesio and edited and produced by Isabel Chaparro and Salvatore Vesio.